When you have the right recon process in place, it's easy to stay ahead of the game. Put your recon on cruise control today with iRecon, the solution built directly in Viato that obliterates recon inefficiencies and accelerates your used car sales. Visit viato.com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, CarMax net income plunges 86%. Tesla offers a huge discount in a rare move to boost deliveries. And Consumer Reports says automakers need to simplify their driving assist systems. Plus, a look back at 2022 for Toyota and Volkswagen with automotive news reporter Larry Valquette. Toyota, really, the fact came down to they had chips and other folks didn't. But uh, the chip God giveth and the chip God taketh away. <laughs> Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Used vehicle retail giant CarMax reported that its net income plunged 86% in the quarter that ended November 30th to under $38 million. The company says net revenue fell 24% to $6.5 billion. CarMax cited inflation, rising interest rates, and low consumer confidence, which it said hampered the number of vehicles it was able to sell in its fiscal third quarter. It sold 180,000 retail used vehicles in the quarter, down about 21% from the same period last year. Tesla is offering U.S. consumers $7,500 to take delivery of its two cheapest models before the end of this year. The move will probably stir up more debate over the extent of the automaker's struggle with demand. The discount Tesla is dangling on new Model 3 sedans and Model Y crossovers is double what the company was offering earlier this month and likely has to do with changes to U.S. tax credits that take effect in 2023. The less pricey Teslas were expected to be eligible for credits of over $3,700 starting in January as part of the Inflation Reduction Act's new EV incentives. That changed this week when the U.S. Treasury Department announced it was delaying guidance on how to meet new battery content requirements, which may make certain consumers eligible for a full $7,500 credit early next year. It's time to make driver assist systems less confusing. That's the message from Consumer Reports, new guidance to automakers. It says systems that aren't user-friendly not only cause frustration, they also may diminish the system's safety benefits. Confused or annoyed drivers might just disregard them altogether. The study focused on adaptive cruise control, blind spot warnings, forward collision warning, and automatic emergency braking, as well as lane departure, lane keeping, and lane centering assistance systems. And a California used vehicle dealer has accepted a decade-long ban from the industry and paid the state $1.7 million. It's part of a settlement to resolve violations the state says include 650,000 misleading advertisements, 20,000 instances of power booking, and 1,500 ads for which Paul Blanco also bears personal responsibility. Blanco and his wife are the former owners of Paul Blanco's good car company, Auto Group. So-called power booking is when dealership employees mislead lenders about the value of a vehicle by falsely claiming the presence of accessories or other features. But Blanco says he and his wife were simply worn down by the California Justice Department into settling. He denies virtually all of the allegations in the judgment. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, 
This CarMax story is so interesting. Now, are these major used car retailers, are they going to even survive? I mean, high interest rates, inflation. I don't think we expected it to be this bad. What do you make of all this? Yeah, it's a it's a very challenging market to see a, you know, a company like CarMax that is, you know, well very well run, you know, have a a tough quarter like this definitely highlights the challenges of the used vehicle market. But let's keep in mind, profits fell 86%. They were still profits. Not big ones, <laughs> but we're not talking about a situation like Carvana losing, you know, half a billion dollars in a quarter. Uh, so, you know, definitely challenging times, but uh, hopefully uh, things are starting to settle down. Interesting. Uh, coming up, we'll take a look at what 2022 had in store for two of the world's largest automakers. Jamie talks with Automotive News, Toyota and Volkswagen reporter Larry Valquette next on Daily Drive. Slate Money is a weekly roundup of the most important stories from the world of business and finance. Hosted by Felix Salmon, Elizabeth Spires, and me, Emily Peck. Confused by crypto? Can't keep up with the metaverse? Wondering why the price of just about everything keeps rising? The Slate Money podcast is here for you. Listen to Slate Money every Saturday morning, wherever you get your podcasts. Warning. Your reconditioning process needs attention. Unexpected shortages and delays can throw off even the most routine recon work, slowing your sales and eating into your bottom line. Identify and fix reconditioning inefficiencies to turn your inventory faster with iRecon. This reconditioning solution, built directly in V-Auto, keeps you in control of your service department and puts your recon on cruise control. With real-time alerts and reports, iRecon helps you get ahead of potential issues before they become costly problems. You'll be able to track who's doing the work and how long tasks are taking, see the status of any vehicle in an instant, and make adjustments where needed. And it's all done in an easy-to-use dashboard you can customize to fit your workflow. Obliterate inefficiencies and accelerate your used car sales only with iRecon. Run your personal recon diagnostics with us today and put your process on cruise control. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. It's been an interesting ride in 2022 for two of the world's largest automakers, Toyota and Volkswagen. We continue our series of year-end review conversations today with reporter Larry Valquette, who covers both companies for Automotive News. Here's our conversation. Larry Valquette, welcome back to Daily Drive. It's so good to be here at the end of the year, Jamie. <laughs> I, I feel the warmth. So uh, here we are. It's the end of the year. We're looking back. Uh, of course, your main companies, Toyota and Volkswagen, two of the world's largest. Uh, you cover their pretty extensive operations here in the U.S. and North America. Let's start with Toyota. Historic win in 2021. Took the U.S. sales crown from GM. Promptly gave it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> I mean, right out of the box, right? They they spent all of 2021 just kind of really the fact came down to they had chips and other folks didn't. Yep. Right. But uh, the chip God giveth and the chip God taketh <laughs> away. So they win the sales crown, knock General Motors off of that perch that it's held uh, for nine for decades, 90 years. Yeah. That, that in itself, I thought was that's just spectacular, right? You hold. You're the leading automaker in the United States for 90 consecutive years. And then this chip shortage comes up, and it's really a testament to what this did to the industry. Yeah. Toyota knocks you off, and they're in great shape, 
hey, we got cars, we're selling them. We, we, we don't have a lot of inventory, but we're selling everything we got. And then uh, Japan says, ah, you know, there's those things where we promised you, these chips that we're going to get, eh, you're not going to get those. So Yeah, they, they thought they had backups and backups of backups after the tsunami and all the lessons from that. And, boy, it just, just backfired on them. The, uh, some COVID outbreaks, some other, uh, another tsunami. I mean, it's just been, they just got hit, and here they are in the same boat as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, and they're going to finish 2022 at about uh, 2.1 million units, which is where they were in 2020. Can't really fault them. They don't like to go backwards, but they lost about 200,000 sales. That's where they'll land, mm -hmm. they think, when all is said and done. It would be interesting to see if they can come back next year. You know, if they do get full production globally, of course, I mean, China is still uh, working through its uh, COVID, uh, zero COVID policies, but if they can get back to full production, it'll be interesting to see if they'll send enough vehicles to the U.S. to take that title back. Yeah. It, you know, it's really interesting. Uh, Jack Hollis brought up a good point. He said chip production, this may last longer than what we all mm -hmm. thought, mm -hmm. simply because there are more chips in each car and there are more cars now. There are more, more nameplates. Global chip makers are really, really going to have to struggle and fight to meet automaker demand. Yeah, 10% right? increase in chip supply is not going to equal a 10% increase in the vehicle output because the vehicles everyone wants to make and every year after year, they're more computerized than ever before. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've, I've got a redesigned Tundra this week uh, that I'm driving mm -hmm. and it's <laughs> it's night and day, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. from the previous version, which you know was, was almost as old as my college age kid <laughs> but it you know there's a lot more technology in there in that vehicle and it's a that's across the board and that's really at every automaker we're all struggling with that you mentioned jack hollis the new head of sales for toyota motor north america replaces bob carter after a 41 year run big change in some ways but it, toyota does it ever make a difference Oh, you know, it makes somewhat of a difference. It's funny, Jack, for those that don't know, his former Scion executive came up with Farley, worked with uh, Jim Farley at Scion, and is now lead sales guy at Toyota Motor North America, former professional baseball player. Mm -hmm. I had a talk with him last week I, in true Jack's beak. I said, Jack, we're looking for you to be Crash Davis, not Nuke LaRouche. Nuke LaRouche. Nuke And he appreciated the reference. Great guy. Bull Durham, knows, of course. Yeah, Bull Durham. Great guy, absolutely knows his stuff, knows what he has to do, loved by the dealers, because he is, if nothing else, an enthusiastic Toyota supporter, <laughs> right? Toyota Lexus supporter. No doubt. But the point I was getting at is, man, they have, they have so much consistency in the leadership. The people who are at the top, whether it's Hollis now, Carter before him, Lentz before him, you know, Bill Fay, I mean, all these guys, they're there for so long, they have such little turnover that when the top person changes, the dealers and the whole organization is very familiar with everybody who's moving up the next uh, half rung of the ladder. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you contrast that with the problems that Volkswagen has, right? And this, this is a real uh, area of contrast. Volkswagen gets hit because of its inconsistency. Yeah, yeah. Because it rotates, you know, the North America's kind of like a farm club, mm -hmm. right? It rotates uh, to keep the sports analogy going. Yeah. Uh, Rotates executives in for three, four, uh, maybe five-year stints, and then they get bounced out and go back uh, to one of the other uh, outposts, global outposts for that very large global automaker. Mm -hmm. Whereas Toyota does really grow its own, and it allows those executives to both make mistakes 
and learn from those mistakes and also to grow into the jobs and to know those companies inside and out. And so what you, what you see with that level of consistency, I think that's a really a driving factor for why Toyota and Lexus dealers are the happiest dealers <laughs> in dealer land every year in and year out. So before we uh, move on to Volkswagen in greater depth, you know, the industry is so defined these days by the transition to EVs. And Toyota is like the intentional laggard. Uh, and uh, some of it's not at all intentional, but, you know, they had been very reluctant on EVs. It's hard to make money on them. They take a lot of resources relative to even to the carbon they reduce. As Akio Toyota said, you know, you, he could make one 300-mile, 320-mile range EV, or he could make eight plug-in EVs with 40 miles range that would, you know, reduce the carbon emissions by up to eight times. So a little reluctant on EVs. Finally bring one out for the U.S., first one in a long time since the RAV4 EV that sold very poorly, and then the wheels fell off. Literally. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> but a bum. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was not a, a good look out of the box. And, it, you know, it's, it's such a philosophical debate within that company, right? And I, I get their argument. Do you let the perfect be the enemy of the good? And EVs, as we know, environmentally are far from perfect in their own right. Mm -hmm. But if the goal is carbon, carbon, carbon reduction, reduction. Yeah. right? Um, is it better to use those limited resources that we have for batteries to power a bunch of smaller plug-in hybrids that all reduce carbon. Or regular hybrids. Yeah, or regular hybrids, or one, you know, 9,000-pound uh, Hummer, right? Yeah. Which is the better use? And that's that's an open question. They have been arguing and arguing and arguing, and it, it's really, to me, it's interesting who they're arguing to, mm -hmm. right? Because, because it's the environmentalists attacking them? Yeah. They used to be the darling with the Prius. They were the darling of the environmentalists, and now they are the villain. They are the new GM. Yeah, which is crazy if they if the idea is hey we're gonna we need to reduce carbon right right <laughs> yeah I mean they ought to be they ought to be at least held up there I mean I I don't want to make their argument for them but I do understand their argument and I I do kind of agree with it in some sense that you don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good but on the other hand you know investors don't respond to good do they the well the reality is yeah the the investors and the regulators. They have fallen in love with EVs, and that's what they want to hear. And it's a, it's a real challenge for Toyota to not be all in on that. Of course, they've got big plans, and they'll love to tell us they're spending lots of money, and they've got a lot of product plans, but not a lot of them coming to market very quickly, I think in large part because they haven't figured out the business model. Yeah. So while Toyota has been this sort of intentional EV laggard, it's VW, which had such a big part, in leading this transition, I mean, other than Tesla, you know, VW with Dieselgate, pushing them all in on EVs was really a major turning point in the industry's pivot toward EVs. And yet, where are they? I, they, I would have thought they'd be number two in the market behind only Tesla, and they're not even close. You know, Ford, Hyundai Group, all blowing away the the ID4 and few Audi e-trons that are getting sold. Yeah, but... Really, to be fair, it's a different story here than it is in Europe, right, for Volkswagen. In Europe, Volkswagen is is kicking EV tail, right? <laughs> uh, uh, it that's is, where they've really prioritized their yeah, allocation, and if, right? And because that's where the hammer is going yep. to hit them most if they don't hit their carbon reduction targets. 
it's another case where North America really feels kind of like a, a farm club, right? Mm-hmm. We get the leftovers. And that was the case with the ID4. The ID4 was was being imported uh, since it was brought into the market in March 2020, mm-hmm. going from memory here. But um, when it first went on the market, it's been flowing in, trickling in from Europe at about 1,000 or 1,500 units a month. They opened up production in Chattanooga this summer, uh, really started getting it cranked up. But, but the first U.S.-made IV4s are just now rolling into VW dealerships, and it's December. Mm-hmm. They should have really been there in October. They've they had some holds, they had some chip problems, some other supply problems just to to get them there. They're just now flowing in. They have the potential, according to what Scott Keogh told us at the time, to get up to many as eight or ten thousand a month. It still may be a while before we see those numbers, but they will be flowing in far greater numbers than they have been. Yeah, which is good. I think as far as the the farm team comparison, you know, it's not for lack of respect of U.S. demand or the U.S. market, but it's the respect that the EU regulators have commanded uh, because they've got such a more strict carbon reduction policy that, uh, (laughs) you know, that's if you're Stellantis or VW, that's where you need to focus your energies way more than the U.S. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can't hardly blame them, right? Not at all. If I've got an ID4 that's made in Zwickau and I can sell it in Europe and there are plenty of buyers there, or I can ship it across the ocean and hope, I think I've got a buyer over there, but it's going to be at less money. Yeah, more cost. And more cost. I'm going to sell it in Europe first, especially with the hammer that's going to come down if I don't. Right. (laughs) So you mentioned Scott Keogh, um, who had a good run as uh, VW of America chief. Uh, he's now left to go start a new Scout brand uh, for Volkswagen. Is he still the only employee of the Scout brand? No, they have a couple more. Okay, uh, we have uh, we've been discussing <laughs> as Scott builds his team uh, where that will finish. Uh, we believe that we're going to get be able to announce when the team is done. We'll we'll be able to announce who they are eventually. Um, it's got to be fun for Scott because he's building a whole team from scratch and he's got a really nice budget and no deliverables likely for about three <laughs> years. Right. So, so for an executive, that's Nirvana. Sure. It might be great for him, but there's been some controversy for the dealers, right? They're concerned that Volkswagen is going to do an electric pickup. That'll be really cool. And they won't get to sell it. Some controversy is a really kind way <laughs> <laughs> to, to discuss how Volkswagen dealers feel about what's coming with Scout and how they feel, how betrayed they feel. It is a really a sticking point that the new leadership at Volkswagen Group of America is going to have to deal with, and they're not going to be able to paper it over. They're going to have to deal with it uh, head on at some point. And I really, I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I really think the only way to salve that wound is going to be with product. Mm-hmm. It's going to be with, some product that meets that that open white space for Volkswagen dealers that they thought was going to be filled by what will turn out to be the Scout pickup truck and the Scout SUV. Yeah, tough call. We'll see how that goes. Now, you mentioned the, the new leadership. Pablo DeCi uh, is the new guy in Herndon. Yes, right? Herndon. And um, so what's he like and what, what does he does he have any experience with the U.S. dealer base? Uh, so Pablo has been making the rounds. He's been in the job uh, for a couple of months now. Uh, I had some chance to interact with him in Los Angeles. Really nice guy. A great guy. Got a good sense of humor. Got a good handle on the brand. 
true believer in the in the brand, and I think he sees potential. He believes in the U.S. dealer in in Volkswagen's U.S. dealer network, just like Scott did. I think he will be a positive force. I don't think he'll be a three and out uh, guy like like they've had <laughs> in the past. I hope I was, but then I also hope Scott wouldn't be a, a three and out. He lasted a little over four, yeah, uh, before he moved on. It is a tough job uh, because it has it also comes with big demands, right? Wolfsburg wants a ten percent market share collectively across all the group brands for North America. And that is a heavy lift when the Volkswagen brand has to do the majority of it. Uh, so he's got work cut out for him. Uh, and at the same time, Audi is not the growth machine that it was a few years ago. So they can, can't count on that in the same way either. No. And you, you know, you're, you're talking about Audi really leading the charge on EVs for the company. And seeing volumes come down a little bit, they have some product plans that I think may light some fires in the U.S. Uh, they're going to, they've redubbed the e-tron, the Q8 e-tron, uh, and they're going to extend the range a little bit when it comes out, which is good because the range of the of their first offering was a little, was a little low mm-hmm. uh, relative to Tesla and some, some other folks. That was, I think, uh, Volkswagen being conservative with what they could get out of their batteries. I think they're opening up a little bit, and uh, it'll be really interesting to see what Audi does. All right. Well, we'll keep an eye on that in 2023, and we'll turn to you for all our Toyota and Volkswagen Group of America news. Okay. Thanks, Larry. (laughs) Thank you, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own CJ Moore, Hannah Brock, and John Hutter for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on manufacturing, retail, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Come back tomorrow for a conversation about the biggest stories and trends affecting dealership F&I offices and service drives in 2022. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.